1: You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth.
0: Hello again, free thinkers, and welcome back to the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. Our guest this week is a man who's given more than most for truth and transparency. And like many of our guests, it's incredibly difficult to distill their expansive work and accomplishments into a short two-minute soundbite, but the context is needed to understand the scope of their work, and our guest this week, Barrett Brown, is no exception. Barrett is an American journalist now living in London. He is also an activist and a former associate of the Hacker Collective known as Anonymous. Barrett was initially sentenced to 105 years in prison for his role in sharing hack content from the private intelligence contractor firm known as Stratfor, which he served 63 months in prison between the years of 2012 and 2016 for. He has also written for The Guardian, and in 2016 he won a National Magazine Award for three columns he wrote for The Intercept, which he later burned in protest after The Intercept closed the Snowden Files. Over the years, we've kept a close eye on Barrett's journey and covered his story several times with articles and memes. Barrett is the real deal and as close to a principal journalist as we've seen in decades. So it was a pleasure to talk with him. Welcome to the Free Thought Project podcast, Barrett. It's a pleasure to have you on. I think we first touched base back in early 2020, and I've wanted to have you on the show for the past three years because you have a keen insight as an investigative journalist, and you've also been through a lot as a journalist, including um, winning awards, um, having your organization deemed a criminal organization by the DOJ, and of course being sentenced to 63 months in prison after an FBI investigation into the Stratford data that you blew the whistle on which I would like to get into at some point, of course. Um, You've been called the face of the hacker group Anonymous. You've written several books, so we should probably have plenty to talk about. But first, I wanted to ask you with all the focus on Elon Musk and his buyout of Twitter over the past few months, I was curious on your take of the Twitter files and also of Matt Taibbi, who I know you've been kind of critical of over the years. So like, what are your critiques on the rollout of these what internal communications uh, dubbed as Twitter files.
2: So number one, I should note uh, that I haven't uh, had a chance to go through uh, the output of the Twitter files uh, leak as much as I normally would simply because I've been busy with a couple other things. Uh, so, but from what I understand, and you guys can, can, uh, can tell me if this is correct. Uh, my understanding from what I've seen, uh, and what I've seen discussed is that a lot of it, concerns FBI uh, being involved with the previous Twitter administration and uh, engaging in, you know, indefensible uh, sort of manipulation uh, of the platform behind the scenes and Twitter's uh, previous administration uh, participating in that. Is that that's correct? Is that basically the the summary?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they're, okay. they're kind of painting it to where it was just conservatives that were targeted. But, you know, <laughs> sure. we, we're finding out that it's not that. Right, right. So, yeah,
2: so that 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 was my my critique. Number one was that I know enough about Elon Musk going back, you know, over a decade now of conflict with the PayPal mafia, as they call themselves. And that's Elon Musk, Peter Thiel uh, and uh, Pierre Omidyar uh, that I, you know, when they're putting out something that they bill as a transparency uh, uh, output, uh, I'm very skeptical. Knowing what they've done in the past, on along those lines. Uh, I mean, these guys have been part of the problem uh, just just as much as the FBI uh, for as long as they've had the power to be part of the problem. And so, and Matt Taibbi, who he blurred my first book, and I was you know a fan of his his work to some extent back in the day. Uh, he, he's he's one of these figures that over the last looks like over the last decade, uh, I'm not sure exactly when, uh, has been rolled into what we call the Peter Thiel influence network, uh, by which I mean he has, uh, for reasons I, I can't speculate on and to an extent that is unclear, but there is an extent there, uh, has been operating to some degree, uh, along the dictates, uh, put forward by Peter Thiel to a number of, uh, influencers, uh, media people on the left and right, uh, that has a certain, a certain set agenda in which, uh, has been. For, I'll get into this later. Has been vastly destructive uh, uh, across the board uh, of of you know dest- destructive against information flow, uh, destructive against the ability of the citizenry to get good information. I mean, they have these people have been part of this information effort. So it, it's uh, it, it's wonderful that uh, because of Elon Musk's buyout. The previous Twitter administration, which was which was garbage, I mean, which was absolute garbage, and this is, this is very much—it's very similar to Trump coming in, and a lot of Democrats and others suddenly realizing that certain institutions of, of the federal government are bad because Trump is now there. It's very similar to the to the Elon Musk taking over Twitter, where suddenly the stuff that Twitter has done, uh, you know, maliciously and and, and uh, you know, to, to great harm, uh, is suddenly getting recognition from the Democrats on a bipartisan, you know, on this partisan basis. Um and, and uh, yeah, as uh, one of you just noted, you know, more stuff has come out, I think just in the last 24 hours, that shows what I think uh those of us who have been subject to it, to to, to Twitter's kind of uh, uh maliciousness have known is, is that this is a bipartisan and, and bicultural war uh problem. Uh Twitter uh has been used by the FBI, it's been used by Saudi Arabia, it's been used by uh uh the Peter Thiel crew. Uh it's been used by a number of agencies DHS and so forth uh, sometimes knowingly sometimes with, with the officials the executives knowing this and being involved sometimes with with them not being uh, not knowing because it's easy not it's not hard to infiltrate uh, you know the the executives or, or the, the personnel of an outlet outfit like that uh, it has been, uh, it, it's been it's been it's been a, it's a vastly scandalous uh, situation the more you know about it the more you know about how Twitter has handled things over the years uh, and so, yeah, it's good that it's come out. But as with all these things, you know, because it's Elon Musk putting it out and because the gist of it is that uh, it, because the gist of it is something that Musk and, and others have packaged as being of, a, of advantage to Musk and of advantage to Republicans, it means that Democrats and so forth are going to discount it automatically. Same, likewise, uh, when the stuff starts coming out about the Republicans uh, and Peter Thiel and other, other uh, entities doing these same things. You know you had the reverse effect it's just part of this obscurantist disinformation war that's been going on uh you know to, to a remarkable extent uh ever since i've since before i got out of prison uh which is just put another way when i went into federal prison in, t- in 2012 uh you know things were a certain way when i got out in 20, late 2016 right after the election uh everyone had kind of gone insane to some degree uh it, it, because of the the way in which uh, this this partisan cultural war had encouraged uh, people to engage in this sort of obscurantist uh, uh, Reckoning of information whereby any information that looks like it's gonna give aid and comfort to the other side is discounted It's it's either cast as a conspiracy theory or it's this information, you know, no investigations are done And that that's made it very very hard for anyone like myself who who goes after a number of entities whether it be russian intelligence u.s intelligence uk intelligence uh half the time we're only able to play to a certain audience uh because of that and it means that you know i'll, I'll get into this later because i've got a lot to say about this this problem but that that's kind of my the, the way i see this this uh situation it's, it's great that, that stuff came out it's great that information is out there but unfortunately because of this culture war or whatever you want to call it it's not going to have an impact on the fbi and, that, and that's telling the FBI has, has benefited more than any other institution, more than any, 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 any American citizen or the citizenry as a whole. The FBI has benefited from this partisan culture war, starting with the 2016 election, uh, because it always has one side it can use to shore up its own status and prevent a, a, a reckoning into its behavior.
0: Right. Yeah. Great point. And boy, I could only imagine being in prison from 2012 to 2016 and coming out to, yeah, witness the world in the midst of this crazy, insane culture war. And it's certainly safe to say that Trump accelerated that to our point, you know, that this isn't necessarily just a right issue, even though it tends to be framed that way. In 2018, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Barrett, but in 2018, both Facebook and Twitter took down our network of accounts and pages, uh, resulting in a loss of nearly 6 million fans. And during that takedown, which has now been dubbed as the purge, there was many, uh, I wouldn't say predominant, but a large majority of those outlets were also leftist outlets that just happened to be uh, you know, dissident, anti-state type of uh, information that they're putting yes. out there. But it's still that was still framed by the conservatives and the right as being uh, exclusively a right wing takedown of you know different right wing individuals and organizations. So um, yeah, we, we certainly need to get the, the Facebook files next, right? And maybe after that we could get the, the Instagram and the Reddit files, and we could really see what's going on behind the scenes. But from our experience and observation, it's safe to say that it's it hasn't been partisan. It's been bipartisan. It's been something that. Uh, is focused on anybody who is speaking outside of the Overton window of what they want us to be allowed to talk about. And one thing I would say is that people were critical about, well, actually two things with the Twitter files and the rollout. One of them being that it was Elon who was implementing this, right? And this just gives more credence to the the idea that Elon is this right-wing hero. He's this First Amendment hero who's going to save free speech. So in, in that sense, it is a bit... Suspicious, uh, you know, of course, that's with the tinfoil hat on. It could be something that, you know, maybe he is just, you know, he does care about First Amendment issues. Who knows? But from my observations, everything that I've learned about Musk, there's probably more to the equation. And I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit more here. And then, of course, the rollout was was with Twitter, right? Like they didn't give anybody any of the source information. Uh, you're, you're putting out all this information in tweets, which are limited characters. There's not a lot that you could really divulge. There's not a lot of nuance you could present in those tiny tweets. So there is some issues with the, the Twitter yep. files. And, you know, this isn't just a, you know, a perfect operation that Elon Musk has, has pulled off. Right. There are certain things that should be questioned and analyzed. But as of January 3rd of this year, you made a tweet stating at every critical juncture, the rise of the fascist right was facilitated by an influence network of intelligence, law enforcement and media assets, all tracking back to Peter Thiel and Elon Musk. It's time for this story to be told. And this corroborates some of your focus on Peter Thiel in the past and is quite a juicy accusation. Like, can you perhaps explain a little bit more of your perspective or even evidence of this claim?
2: Certainly. Uh, so uh, that that tweets and the animated uh, trailer that was created by uh, activist Rod Webber, who's a documentary filmmaker, uh, that all sort of leads to this uh, this column I wrote uh, that I put out uh, beginning of January, or sorry, on, on New Year's Eve. Um, that goes into an FBI meeting that was held uh, in FBI LA headquarters in late 2020. Uh, It was secretly recorded by a former associate of mine, Val Brokesmith, who was a whistleblower, uh, among other things. And uh, this four hour meeting, and uh, that's kind of what I base this column on uh, along with some other materials that show, uh, that start to show some of the things that me and a few others have been investigating uh, for a number of years which is the role that peter thiel and elon musk i mean peter peter thiel is the leader uh, of this of this small syndicate of, of what we call paypal mafia of uh you know Pierre elmer elon musk peter peter thiel has, has set the the uh pace uh, as it were um he's the one who encouraged elon musk to buy twitter um he, he's he's the yeah. one who really has the uh the the patience and the capability and competence that Pierre Omidyar and Elon Musk don't have—he's uh, the one who's responsible for all this. So, in that column, uh, some of the some of the relevant materials uh, I, I make public uh, regarding this. Uh, to summarize what we've made public already, um, tracking back to so so Peter Thiel first came to my attention in early 2011. This is after the uh, the original anonymous. You know, the, the, the portion of anonymous that worked out of the anonops IRC network and involved in you know, about 150 people, uh, had a you know, few key hackers that you know would, would, for different reasons, go after different out, uh, uh, entities and hack them, take their emails, files, then we would go through them, uh, distribute them to the press, you know, blah, blah. Uh, they, they revealed something called Team Themis, which was a consortium of private intelligence firms, uh, including Palantir, that had been working with the Obama DOJ. Uh, to go back to this bipartisan thing, uh, to create a, a consortium uh, by which these, these intelligence contracting firms like Palantir uh, would be able to provide Black Ops uh, this information, uh, sort of Pro kind of, kind of uh, services to different entities, uh, entities that the DOJ uh, considered uh, uh, above the law. Uh, Chamber, U.S. Chamber of Commerce was one of them. Uh, Bank of America was another. Uh, and so, anyway, so this whole thing was this whole conspiracy was was unveiled by these emails that were hacked in early 2011 that showed that these firms—Palantir, HP, Gary, in-game Systems, and so forth—they uh, had been targeting WikiLeaks. They've been targeting uh, other journalists. They've been targeting uh, labor union leaders uh, on behalf of these two prospective clients: Bank of America and U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And the DOJ, you know, set this all in motion. Uh, using this law firm, Hunt and Williams in D.C., uh, Booz Allen Hamilton was involved. This is a couple of years before Snowden, you know, came out. So was a Booz Allen Hamilton contractor, and a, a bunch of stuff, you know, yielded you know, came out of that. And Palantir was in a lot of trouble for a short time. Uh, Democrats in Congress, in particular, like under Hank Johnson of Georgia, called for an investigation, further investigation into what was revealed uh, about what they were doing and the government's role, and that was shot down by Lamar Smith, a Republican of Texas you know who said the doj should be the one to decide if a crime has been committed of course the doj was involved in this you don't normally see republicans from texas uh going out of their way to protect the obama doj uh in this case you know they all had similar reason this would this was a bipartisan establishment plot uh that used you know use information technology including uh information technology farmed out to private firms by the u.s military and, this, and the intelligence community, and so forth, uh, redeploying that technology against dissidents. In some cases, not even dissidents. In some cases, just labor union leaders and, uh, and journalists who some contractor or some federal official decided needed to be pursued oh. via illegal means. And then these means that would be that we uncovered were absolutely illegal and indefensible. They involved uh, going after the children of labor union leaders, looking into whether they go to school, uh, trying to put pressure on individual journalists, uh and leaders by using their families as as a uh, collateral um and so on and so forth this i mean it, it was it was severe enough that it was reported it was reported in all the outlets to different extents uh i mean even even new york times th- these outlets uh they're normally not very excitable uh and really not very competent uh this, this was agreed across the board this was a, a terrible a terrible plot you know that was that was just corroding democracy these firms were involved doj was involved blah blah anyway so, shortly after that, uh, because my role in this in in, in getting this stuff out was uh, was rather prominent, and because these people have been spying on Anonymous and knew my role, uh, the the first attempt by Peter Thiel and his people to co-opt our movement uh, was made when that when Peter Thiel or, or Alex Karp, the, the president of, of Palantir, I'm not sure which one of it was, uh, reached out to me um, by unusual means and tried to offer me a, a deal. They tried to basically tried to convince me that. What they wanted was the same as what Anonymous wanted, and what Anonymous was doing had been doing at the time was helping to establish democracy in Tunisia uh, in cooperation with Tunisian uh, revolutionaries in in Tunisia, the country itself, and elsewhere. Um, later on, and I didn't this there was so much going on at the time that I didn't think as much of that uh, as norm, one normally would. And this was a very hectic time. Years later, we now know a great deal more about the extent to which Peter Thiel and Elon Musk and the Teal's just very vast influence network has managed to co-opt individual participants, even whistleblowers, prominent whistleblowers, people who are known as heroes, managed to co-opt them uh, either via tricking them, uh, using different means, uh, or outright bribery, and in some cases intimidation and blackmail. And thanks to a lot of work on behalf of a lot of people, uh, including while I was in prison, and, and as well as in the last few years, and, and also thanks to some mistakes on the, on the part of the FBI uh and and peter thiel and his network we now know a great deal more about how that went down uh we know for instance that greenwald glenn Greenwald, who was one of the targets uh of peter thiel uh at some point within the next few months uh in 2011 came to some accommodation with peter Mm -hmm. thiel uh and that accommodation was secret until the last last two years or so when greenwald is now comfortable uh publicly partnering with peter thiel enough time has passed uh, and, and his followers, his, his uh, audience has changed enough that it doesn't, doesn't matter for him anymore. Uh, we we have screenshots, and I made these public about a year and a half ago uh, on another podcast, in which we've, a- Andrew Arnheiner, the Nazi, uh, you know, pseudo-activist that was, for some reason, you know, unfortunately presented as an activist, as a whistleblower, in some of the, the articles and documentaries that came out about all, all of our activities uh, a number of years ago, like Hacker Wars, for instance. Art Hauer was recruited by Peter Thiel and in 2013, 2014, uh, was reaching out to Mercedes Hafer, who was the most visible of the PayPal 14. PayPal 14 were the anonymous participants who did did a DDoS attack against Amazon, PayPal, uh, a few other uh, outfits that had uh, helped to uh, create the sanctions against WikiLeaks. uh, Back when WikiLeaks was still doing it was supposed to be doing uh reached out to intimidate them into refraining from criticizing pierre omidyar any further remember these people were all still under indictment they were still facing cases uh, with charges up to 15 years reached out and basically set made it clear you know sort of, sort of the pablo escobar thing the, the silver or lead thing like hey uh your case is still ongoing the paypal mafia as as we've andrew Arnheimer described it uh you know it's very influential very well liked in certain sectors and they have the ability to determine how your case is going to proceed. And they also have the ability to, you know, make you money. Uh, and, and so I'll have to go into a little later into, into the specifics of that and who the lawyers are involved, who the lawyers involved in that were and, and what role they play today. But uh, I'll just move on and say that in 2013, when I was still in, in jail, still wedding trial, uh, Tor Eklund who was one of the, the lawyers that was brought on to defend uh, uh, to defend Weave. Uh, came and visited me in, in jail, uh, along with Jay Lederman, another lawyer that I had brought onto Anonymous to help defend uh, PayPal defendants. It basically, offered me money. Uh, he, we didn't get that far in the conversation, such that I would I could learn what the money would be for, because I kind of kind of soft my reaction that I was uh, a bit taken aback and and uh, distrustful of him. Um, and then, yeah, a couple years later on, uh, Tor Eklund and his client Weave both go to work for Peter Thiel at his company Clearview AI, which does facial recognition technology. Um, that's the best example right there, and there, there's tons of other examples, and, I, and obviously it'll get convoluted if I keep going into it just now, but that's the best example of what has happened. Uh, we have lawyers who were brought in to defend these transparency activists. Later on, their clients and them are working for the same person uh, that ensured that they were indicted to begin with, and then ensured I went to prison to begin with, because Palantir was one of the firms that went to the FBI uh, and was uh, you know was responsible for uh, what happened to me and, and what happened to a number of my volunteers around the world who were also uh, indicted, they're not as well known. Um, so I'm sure that was kind of rambly, but I, I hope that kind of gives a sense of, of what it is, what, what kind of materials we're looking at and why we've come to this conclusion. I mean, a couple of years ago, we're just we're firming it up you know, more recently. This conclusion that Peter Thiel has been not just active in attempting to co-opt uh, this one alternative we had this one movement we had that, that, that attacked the establishment uh, and, and put it back on its heels, but which also posed a threat to their own vision for the world and to their own you know, uh, activities uh, with the US intelligence community. Uh, and that this has been, uh, this actually, this helps to explain how poorly things have gone in the past 10 years. And it helps to explain why certain people who were once heroes to some of us, including me, uh, have acted in the way they have and unfortunately matt tavey is part of that uh glenn dreamwald's part of that and uh and there are others and it's been it's it's been pretty depressing to uh learn about so i'm i'm happy to uh obviously i'm sure you have questions about that i'm happy to to speak more specifics if you'd like Uh, i can i can give more examples of what we have documented uh likewise i can just i can just give you an overview of what uh of what our take is based on the totality of it you know it's whatever uh whatever's needed but this this is this is a this is the most crucial issue it, if you look at the transparency movement from wikileaks you know on down and if you see that as something that was, that was valuable and important you know 10 years ago uh then this issue if you see it like i like i did and still do uh as the this the, the key uh fundamental central uh threat the establishment then you'll agree with me that undermining uh, and corroding and corrupting this movement, uh, that that is the most important story the past 10 years. And uh, that's kind of what I've been focused on increasingly because of the things that have come up. So there's there's a few examples of of what those things are, but there's tons more.
1: So what do you think like Musk's long game is in this, right? He's coming out of the champion of, of free speech, but there's, example after example where we learn that's not true like right last month he met with uh, germany's minister for digital and transport um volker wissing and promised to abide by all their air quotes disinformation laws you know which would censor censor basically anybody who speaks out against the establishment so he but no one ever reports on that in the mainstream you know we're all just told that elon musk is a tool of the right and he just uh you know, and he's he's helping to expose Twitter, and he's a you know he's a champion. What do you think his long game, his role is in this in this whole crazy?
2: I I, I would think, and I could be wrong. I don't think he has personally has a long game as such. I, I think that like a lot of other mm-hmm. people, including myself, at some point, I think he he has become uh, with uh, with with less um, with with le- less to uh, recommend him than some of the other cases. I think he has been. Uh, Essentially, a tool, of Peter Thiel. I think Peter Thiel has a stronger personality. Uh, I think Peter Thiel uh, is able is very adept at playing to people's uh, insecurities and uh, and uh, sense of self, uh, and, and and to that of entire movements. Uh, and I think Elon Musk. I I just don't see him having a long game. I could be wrong. Uh, it I means it's just to to look at him and say he has a long game would require me to. Uh, I just wouldn't see the evidence for it. Whereas I do see lots of, I mean, it would require me to, to, to determine that a a, a large portion of what he's done that see, that looks like kind of reactive, uh, reactive behavior, uh, is actually very calculated. And that's something that's oftentimes the case with people. I don't think it's the case with him. Uh, likewise, in terms of, uh, he has no principles at all. Uh, I mean, he's, he's claimed he's, he's, you know, you have to put a gun to his head to get him to, uh, to censor Twitter. And then, you know, uh, here he is a few weeks ago, having censored this uh, this documentary on the uh, Indian uh, BJP party. Uh, so, you know, he, 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 he it's very easy, at this point in history, for someone to come out and be charismatic and, and amplify something to a large, large number of people. And those that large group of people will happily participate in pretending away all evidence to the contrary. That's what's happened with Julian Assange, what's happened with the Democratic Party. It's it's a it's just it's a constant mode of of political being, you know, for for human beings in general. It's just gotten worse uh, in our generation. Um, so so he's riding on that. I mean, he, he's someone who has, I would say, less reason to be adored than a number of other people who have actually done the things that he claims to do. But because of the you know because of his his stature, because of his, the money he had, uh, and his ability to get involved in these situations where he buys Twitter. Uh, he has become the default hero for a lot of people who, who uh, I think should look a little closer at him. Um, uh, but I think, I think the long-term strategy is Peter Thiel's, and I think Peter Thiel himself has, has uh, presented it more eloquently than I could uh, in his essay, uh, The Dark Enlightenment, which is the philosophy that uh, shared by him and a number of, uh, of uh, some of the modern, uh, sort of postmodern uh, far-right people Whereby they've they've uh, soured on democracy, which I understand, uh, but uh, think that democracy should be replaced by a technocracy led by them, which I happen to disagree with. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, it basically, it's one of those things where I, I could I could I could posit whatever uh, hypothesis I have. It wouldn't be very good because I I don't know much about Elon Musk has not been my target for ten years. Peter Thiel has mostly, uh, mm-hmm. whereas and, and likewise because Peter Thiel and these people have have said what they want, uh, and to some extent. You know when they're speaking to some audiences we can we can take them at their word and we can also look at their actions and, and and agree that these are people who who uh want a significant change in our civilization uh they have a constituency of people who will agree with that especially if they take peter thiel and them at their word about other things uh and that that's and that peter thiel unlike anyone else on the planet has the mean has, has both the ability he has both the intellectual ability and the means by virtue of being at the center of the information technology sector and the center of the intelligence community, which is hilarious if you think about how he's perceived now as a revolutionary by some sectors. Uh, <laughs> he is someone who actually is in a position to enact his vision of the world. And that's what makes it, that's what made him so dangerous to me 10 years ago. That's why I was so obsessed with him 10 years ago. That's why I remain obsessed with him today. Yeah, and,
1: and to a lesser extent around him. It's pretty crazy, man. The 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 ability that that man wields to be able to change perception about his character right you have this this trump persona that goes out and gets a bunch of right-wingers to support trump and and all these all these trump people they all claim they support like you know children uh stop like the protection of children and everything but here we had peter thiel just a year before trump you know, won the presidency in 2016 funding this company called Ambrosia that was going to, to take blood from children and give it to older people, right? Like, they were, it was like, a, I know it wasn't, they're not stealing the blood and it's all voluntary and stuff, but it's, a, I mean, to just that concept of wanting to make money off of taking the blood of young people and giving it to older people is is basic, it's an antithesis of what these right. alleged child-protecting, Right-winger would claim, and here they are—you know—they're holding this guy up on a pedestal, and he was funding this <laughs> this entire project. Oh, certainly, and, and and Peter Peter Thiel is even more involved in that uh,
2: to an extent that I, I'm kind of up on, but I've, I've I have some colleagues who who are more more aware of those specifics and all that, and, and some of Peter Thiel's old associations with Epstein and so forth. Uh, not, nothing nothing there to imply Peter Thiel, any probably on, on Peter Thiel's part, just that he is again Peter Peel Thiel, Peter Thiel's establishment to an extent uh that is is you know that you know only establishment people dealt with epstein you know and peter thiel's establishment he was on the same boards of directors running the same weird programs at different universities um that's a whole other subject uh and i would say it's even less worrisome than uh the fact that peter thiel you know palanter his firm that he co-founded with money from nqtel which is the cia's investment arm that's, that's something that always needs to be remembered whenever peter thiel or Eric Weinstein, the head of Thiel Capital, who goes on the Joe Rogan show and presents him and Thiel as as representing a revolutionary youth. Th- these were guys who got their money, their seed money, from NQTEL, the CIA's back to investment arm. They are not outsiders. They're not opposed to to censorship. Uh, uh, I mean, again, I, I hold the record, to my understanding, of uh, of uh, Twitter bans uh, that have been reversed. As in, I was banned from Twitter three times. Uh, <laughs> in the previous Twitter administration, uh, and there's some articles in that daily dot and several of those instances involved Peter Thiel's own little captains, uh, you know, Claire Lamont at, at, who runs Quillette, which is Andy Noe's little, you know, former stomping grounds. Uh, Andy Noe himself who helped get me arrested, uh, last year here in the UK and, and is named as an informant on, on my documentation. These are all creatures of Peter Thiel. Uh, and, uh, and so they've they they have stomped on on freedom speech. I mean, again, get, anyone who supports me or or thinks that I was wrongly imprisoned or agrees that stuff we put out where it was important, uh, you know, should be aware that none of that stuff would have happened had it not been Peter Thiel. Uh, that the or that the, the programs we were overseeing were Peter Thiel slash U.S. government programs. That the uh, that the tactics they were using were intended to to crush WikiLeaks. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, uh, despite that, people like Grinwald uh, were able to were, were able to somehow do the mental gymnastics necessary to uh, go on to collude with them uh, as they do today. And, and again, Matt Taby and Elon Musk's Twitter files is, is a portion of that. They're putting out it's again, it's great right that putting out information about the FBI, about the previous administration of Twitter, because the previous the previous Twitter administration, just like the previous administration to Trump, was also garbage in, in differing ways. So it's great that's coming out, but it's just, but the way they're using it uh, is such that it's not going to be effective because it's coming from, pe- you know, someone that aside from partisan uh, considerations that it, even semi-competent journalists know not to trust Elon Musk. Uh, and also, and it's also a, a, a it's, it's a whistleblowing or, or, uh, or whatever, a, a public cachet of transparency that's being overseen by people who are not transparent, who have fought the transparency movement Uh, again, this is the best, I would just, the best example I would give is Pierre, Pierre Omidyar, their, their buddy, the other PayPal mafia fellow who along with Peter Thiel employs Andrew, Andrew Arnheiner, uh, Weave, the neo-Nazi, uh, before he found The Intercept, which I ended up writing for from prison, not realizing, not realizing what it was because I trusted Greenwald, uh, Pierre Omidyar was on, was on public record attacking whistleblowers saying they were, they were traitors, should be arrested. Uh, then they found The Intercept with his money. Peter Thiel's involved secretly. Uh, and then later, e- years later, we 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 know more about the degree to which The Intercept uh, employed other journalists, so-called, and editors who themselves are very, very close to the FBI. Um, so as you said, th- these guys are great at reforming their image. They're, they're great at making it not matter that they've been caught doing things that are directly in just direct opposition to the things that they're claiming that they, they do. Uh, and they've done it, and they've they've uh, and because of that, um, you know, we have two effects. We, one is that the actual transparency activists are marginalized, uh, persecuted, sometimes prosecuted. Uh, you know, in a way where it's all documented, who's doing who's involved. These same people, nonetheless, meanwhile, have managed to take control of what remains of the movement. Uh, and uh, at the same time, the the Democrats and leftists who who wants to oppose them and think they know how, uh, play into the hands of these dynamics whereby uh you know, if, if Elon Musk goes after the FBI, the Democrats think, oh, we should better defend the FBI, we better shore up the FBI. You know, meanwhile, the FBI is not the friends of friend of Democrats, yeah, even if Mueller was able to convince him of that. Uh never has been, never will be. Uh and so, yeah, it's 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 been it's a horrible thing. Uh to have to see uh, with with this level of of intimacy with the, with the subjects, you know, across the board, and this level of of uh, skin in the game, uh, and this level of just just raw raw documentation. Uh, sure, it's been terrible to, to watch this happen.
0: I bet, man. Yeah, especially with your history, you know, you've been in this world for a long time. Sometimes it kind of feels like the the Twitter files are just a limited hangout, right? So I I don't know. I feel like um, that's one perspective, too, that maybe doesn't get enough attention. But we should also mention Musk and Teal are also involved with the whole transhumanism agenda as well. Right. Like Musk is in the final stages of his neural link, Uh, not to mention he has family ties. He's actually the grandson of Joshua Haldeman, who was the research director and party leader of the Canadian Technocracy Party. So there you go. It all comes full circle. And as James Corbett pointed out, out of all the different tech entrepreneurs in 1999, CNN decided to highlight Elon Musk buying a sports car and they gave him this puff piece. It was like this, I don't know, five minute little mini expose that they did on him, which all kind of comes back now to question, like why why him out of all the people in Silicon Valley, like why did they give him the spotlight? So it does feel like there has been some attention to propping this man up, to, to giving him- There absolutely uh, has.
2: And that, that's the other thing that's kind of related to this is that we, we, there's instances of that. And, and some of those instances involve some of the same individuals in the press uh, who have FBI ties, who dealt very closely with FBI cooperators back in 2011, 2012 against Anonymous and against WikiLeaks and all that, uh, uh, that some of them uh, went on to promote Elon, uh, sorry, Peter Thiel. Uh, some of them went on to write articles exculpatory of Palantir's role in the Team Themis scandal. You know, uh, and some, and they've all done very well for themselves. Peter, uh, uh, Joseph Men, uh, who was the person that HB uh, Gary uh, CEO Aaron Barr, ex-military, ex-navy intelligence fellow, went to uh, to do his this puff piece article on how he managed to identify all the anonymous participants using this new method he had, which it was nonsense. Uh, This guy who wrote this article went on to to write other articles for the for uh, Reuters and for Financial Times, which is one of the most corrupt outlets in the world. It's based here in London. Uh, Again, uh, providing a different version that that does does not accord with the facts uh, as to what happened with with what Pallinger was caught doing, what these other contractors were caught doing, what the DOJ was caught doing. And now he writes for The Washington Post uh, as of as of a few months ago He's our lead tech correspondent. Nicole Perlroth at the New York Times. I just, I just put out an article at Byline a couple of days ago that cites this incident. You know, Nicole Perlroth in 2012 was casting as conspiracy theorists. Anyone who so much as wondered why the FBI supposedly couldn't stop the strapper hack, you know, from happening uh, and just repeated the FBI's, you know, anonymous FBI qu- uh, agents uh, uh, version of that. Uh, as if it were a credible fact. Uh, a couple of years after that, you know, the documents came out of, in Jeremy Hammond's criminal discovery uh, criminal discovery files, showing that not only had the FBI, of course, obviously allowed it to happen for several weeks before even I was aware of it, but in fact, it was an FBI asset that instigated the hack and gave that hack handed it over to another FBI asset, Hector Monsegur, who then handed it to Jeremy Hammond, which is to say, the hack was perpetrated uh and passed down by fbi assets with the full awareness of the fbi and mueller who oversaw this operation uh you know and get the new york times you know cutting off all inquiry into this by calling it conspiracy theory which is one of, one of my pet peeves is, is that term being used uh, especially by people who aren't familiar aren't historically literate enough to determine determine what is uh what is a plausible thing the intelligence community might do and what is not um and so yeah yeah so you know I'm, I'm these these topics cause me to ramble a bit cuz there's just so much there's just so no, much No it's all there good, man it just, it just, That's it's, so cool. it's it's just, the worst the more one knows about it, the worse it gets but uh, yeah it's <laughs> this has been it's, it's it's all kind of part and parcel of a a, a single sort of strain of deterioration of public uh, public knowledge and civic uh, informed consent and you know it it has many authors and 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 the chief author author is this obscurantist uh not just partisan but but tribal uh belief that that you know if i oppose this one group then the group that's opposing it i'm going to defend it no matter what right you know and and that's that allows hucksters you know it allows grifters it allows it allows agents who are you know from the other side uh to co-opt, to control these movements, and it's 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 a single most obnoxious trait uh, that's been that's been sort of perpetuated in the last ten years. I mean, it was it wasn't this bad in the nineteen nineties. You know, nineteen nineties. You know, there was you go you go watch uh, Siskel and Ebert uh, review uh, a documentary about Waco, and even though Siskel and Ebert are, are on the left, uh, they acknowledge this documentary as as making very strong arguments against the FBI. Uh, because at that point, even though there was already kind of a right-left divide in terms of like, you know, militias on one hand and FBI on the other, even though there's kind of a Clintonian, Janet Reno kind of, kind of uh, predisposition to write off whatever the conservatives were saying, uh, the situation, things hadn't gotten that bad. The F- People still remembered on the left that the FBI is not historically our friend and at more to the point, whether, end, it is not an honest or credible uh, source of information. Uh, so you, you go back and watch this on YouTube, you watch, this, watch them review it, and it, it, it's, it's astonishing to see uh, in retrospect, given, given how things are handled these days, where we have to, and, and, where if one wants something, anyway, it just, it's, yeah. So, so that's, that central deterioration, that kind of, that this obscurantism where, you know, I get out, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an opponent of Russia and the US and the CIA and FBI. And eventually, of Assange, due to what, due to what I found him to be doing, you know, at, at, at every single point where I'm putting out documents or explaining, here's what here's what I think the t- situation is, you know, you have this this uh, some de facto social media army of partisans, uh, doing their utmost to make sure that whatever that fact is is squelched because they have they sense that fact uh, sometimes correctly and sometimes incorrectly they sense that fact it gives aid and comfort to the enemy. And so it's kind of it's almost fractally, almost a fractal degree of dishonesty and obscurantism that is just, that it, has uh, been permitted to just invangle everything, to permeate everything, and it's made it almost not worth it to put out documents. It's made it not worth it to be a whistleblower. Uh, even setting aside the, the kind of things that are done to whistleblowers, if they're effective, um, you know, and it's the, the consequences are are here with us. This 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 current state of state of the world. This is the result of that kind of thinking on all the sides. Some sides are worse than others. Some sides are more powerful than others. Have better resources. The CIA is obviously more dangerous than, like you know, than the Susie Dawson and the and the the whatever little Sanj fan club or whatever. Uh, the US clearly is more dangerous than, the, than Russia in terms of its capabilities, you know, so on and so forth. You know, everything is more dangerous and 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 less terrible than the other thing. There's there's always a degree there, but nonetheless. Uh, uh, there's there's been there's been a a a willing an acceptance uh, of obscurantism across the board that that is is frightening.
0: Right, and I mean, what do you think has motivated and amplified and increased this identity politics, culture wars, divide and conquer mechanisms? I mean, do you think this is something that's natural organic within the American public or is this something that's being kind of orchestrated more by intelligent big tech big media outlets corporate media? I, I think well uh,
2: some of it is natural organic because if you look back look back the last hundred years for instance uh look back you know uh start start with the Russian Russian revolution okay uh Russian revolution because it's because it's a communist revolution supposedly the left across the world especially particularly in the UK back then if you go back and look at uh, George Orwell's correspondence and all that you see you see how terrible this was you know suddenly because they're supposed there are our, our great hope we must you know not criticize them even when they do things that are entirely contrary to you know the the doc, you know the, the 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 what we wanted uh and you have a, you have you have you have a people who are of course for some reason emotionally intellectually such that they will uh, themselves They will um, fortify themselves against any facts or suppositions contrary to the decision they've taken as to what is happening, what will happen. And so, and that that occurs within the Russian Revolution as well. You have Stalinism as a result. I mean, I mean, you know, as a natural consequence. And then, um, Cold War, you know, because the Soviet Union it has is certainly doing these terrible things the u.s intelligence community feels that it it's it has the right and responsibility even to lie deceive overthrow uh the democratic governments and when, when you have that when you have that kind of mentality then drifters get in as well so you have both people who really do believe that they are advancing democracy even if they're lying even if they're overthrowing democracies then you have united fruit company you know so forth they're so long for the ride because they have their own you know their own agenda uh and it goes on and on you mean the the, the clinton democrats you know, because they did such a great job opposing the Republicans, uh, you know, anything went, you know, you, anything can be covered for to some extent among among a good portion of the left. And so so this is something that, that that happens all the time. And the natural culmination is almost invariably failure. Because the Clintons were so keen, the supporters were so keen on breaking whatever rules, breaking any principles, you know, waiting till 51% of Americans support gay marriage to support gay marriage. Because they were, they were so... Uh, set on their own unique ability to save the world uh them and their supporters uh you know they allow themselves to degrade they let themselves to become something you know as bad as or worse you know than what they're fighting this happens throughout throughout modern human history and so i do think it's gotten worse in the last 10 years largely partly because of twitter partly because of the unusual situation with the, the trump election that that was a that was a a you know that was a breaking point for the establishment as well and and people like me who think trump is a fascist and always did uh you know obviously there's a temptation to you know to pretend that that like the things that trump are doing that were already being done to some extent you know were new things and that obama would never do that blah blah and so you know it's something that that it's both it's organic and uh and it's also slung that these tendencies these factors these these dynamics are understood by you know those people who specialize in information warfare and psyops and counterinsurgency mm-hmm. and on my end they, who specialize in uh navigating those things and uh and they're taking it they're, they're used uh by different parties and the natural the is that you know you have lots of let's say soccer moms resistant soccer moms on twitter you know that, that weren't around when i went in prison in 2012. <laughs> now they're when i got there everywhere and they are 100 sure that they know exactly what's going on with russia and trump exactly they know, they know who to trust and, and that, that Louise mench seems real reasonable blah blah you know the press comes in you know it, they it, everyone ends up shooting it on foot uh no movements no nation you know no party can really uh, be thoroughly destroyed by its opponent you know it, it, it's almost almost invariably not always but I think almost invariably destroyed by the temptation that they acquiesce to to violate the principles that supposedly define them. And that's what's happened over and over again, just in my adult lifetime. You know, I've watched it happen. Uh, it's the one thing that, that it's my, my one saving grace is that for for reasons that have to do with my ego and so forth, I'm, I'm, I'm immune to you because I'm more than happy to say I'm wrong because, you know, I'm still a talented humorist. What do I care? Uh, and also because I have to know, like, I can't, I can't, you know, I don't have the same ability of a random soccer mom or reporter at New York times to <laughs> pretend <laughs> away, you know, things, uh, Involving intelligence community interference and so forth, or the people I'm dealing with, like Greenwald and Assange, you know, I, I have to know: Am I throwing away my life for something that's really going to uh, work in the long term, or am I? Am I have I been tricked by, by grifters? Uh, that's a constant conversation one has to have if one is going to be involved, uh, meaningfully involved, uh, positively, positively involved in politics. But even I've been been conned over and over again. I mean, I I worked for the Intercept from prison. Uh, not knowing who Pierre Omidyar was, not knowing that he had uh, attested to his 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 hatred and his contempt for whistleblowers a few years before he started this outlet that supposedly was going to be the, the clearinghouse for whistleblowers. Um, I trusted Greenwald. I wanted to trust Greenwald. He was my hero. I trusted Assange. Uh, I trusted a lot of other my colleagues over the years, and the, the hackers, and so forth, and journalists. And uh, and gradually, I've learned, you know, uh, that I'm naive. Which is a hell of a thing to say if you're an ex-convict who's involved in information warfare to be naive but that's how bad things are uh yeah so that's that's what i keep coming back to that's kind of the dynamic dynamic we have is that there, there's a way we can recover from this but it really involve it's going to involve personal responsibility on the part even of charismatic figures who are in the public who, who we may all like who we may all have personal dealings with and that's that's a hard part for a lot of people um and it's kind of where i'm hoping to uh hoping to successfully kind of uh broach that topic uh as things go forward um because until then we don't know which of our whistleblowers which of our activist heroes uh we don't know which ones are being manipulated uh we don't know which ones are have gone past that point uh and we don't know uh whether or not our energies, our time, our admiration, our support is going to the thing we want to happen, or if it's going to this mechanism uh, that's been kind of created you know, here and there that does the exact opposite and that wants the exact
0: opposite. And that's uh, that, that's where we're at. Battle not with monsters, lest ye become a monster. And if you gaze into the abyss, the abyss also gazes into you.
2: Yeah, it gazes real, real, real effectively into us. It's got, it's got a lot of, uh, it's got it on the, the gaze, the, the the abyss has has amplified its its gazing gazing uh, apparatus in the last hundred years. You know.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, changing gears, um, we probably only have maybe one or two more questions before we have to wrap this up. But at the beginning of this month, you tweeted about James Gordon Meek, who is a former ABC news producer. He's also an Emmy-winning journalist. Uh, former counterterrorism advisor and investigator for the House Homeland Security Committee. But he was recently charged with transportation of child pornography by federal prosecutors, and he resigned abruptly from his job after his home was raided last year. Uh, so when the FBI agents examined uh, Meek's iPhone, it appeared that he confessed to having previously abused children and even allegedly writing have you ever raped a toddler girl? It's amazing. Yeah, in one exchange. So this dude is certainly a sick puppy, but the plot thickens, right? Part of your tweets on the topic also included pictures of a pretty well-known journalist who has a large Twitter following partying with this James Gordon Meek criminal guy. Now, Barrett, you might not know this, and I have to confess, but the person that we're talking about here is actually somebody who we recruited at the Free Thought Project And gave her her first writing job i know it's hard to believe and sometimes i don't even believe it maybe because i don't want to acknowledge the monster that we created but the person we're talking about is cassandra fairbanks and i guess her former last her formal last name now is cassandra mcdonald and she's certainly written on written for many outlets over the years including sputnik and the gateway pundit but now is an editor-in-chief at timcast which i know some of our listeners probably listen to and you suggested that this is a Peter Thiel-funded operation. Um, can you maybe expand on that claim on this on this topic? And um, she also what, ended up blocking you on uh, on Twitter after you addressed this, right? Yeah.
2: So first, first what she did was, uh, in, in this particular instance, so uh, she, she replied to me with a tweet that she didn't delete it. Uh, luckily, I took a screenshot beforehand and posted that, in which she referred to both Meek's status as a DH as a Fed dhs executive and his status as a pedophile who created child abuse harm materials as conspiracy theories and said i got my conspiracy theories confused she probably realized or maybe someone told her like that was a dumb thing to say so she deleted it shortly afterwards i took a screenshot and then a few minutes later talked uh played to the crowd by saying well unlike you i think you should get the death penalty as if an ex-convict doesn't think chomo should be killed you know um Anyway, but yes, that's part in the, that's, that is part of the course for her. Uh, I first became aware of her when I was still in prison. She tried to infiltrate the Free Barrett Brown, uh, my, my legal defense organization, uh, approached my ex girlfriend, who was dating uh, Adrian Lamo at this time, which is, why I, which is why she was my ex girlfriend, because she was associating with him. Uh, later, tried to infiltrate the WikiLeaks group with Assange and all that, and, and did so. Uh, later, approached Chelsea Manning, uh, got Chelsea Manning jammed up. Uh, the whole history there. Uh, this is so. This is what people I'm talking about, who, along with several lawyers like Stanley Cohen and Tor Eklund, uh, who are now overseeing, distributed denial of secrets. This whole this outfit that is uh, essentially a cutout group for the U.S. intelligence, and uses the anonymous name and the the, whole, the, the major anonymous accounts, uh, as uh, uh, as a as collateral on that. Uh, she is someone who, she's a grifter, to, to, to put it one way, but beyond that, she she's an important grifter. She's someone who has who has been at the forefront of infiltrating uh, our groups and our legal defense uh, organizations. She's not the only one, not even the worst one. Uh, but yeah, she obviously, her, her instinct was to, uh, her initial instinct, as can be seen there, uh, was to pretend away uh, the fact that she was hanging out with a DHS fed while supposedly being a transparency Groupie, uh, and uh, also that he was a, that he was involved in child child harm materials. And, and someone someone asked me, and I, and I should this comes, this comes up every time the FBI indicts somebody. You know, people say, "Why do you trust the FBI?" Well, we don't. Um, I've been following this for eight months since Meeks since Meeks first started coming on the news because um, his, his disappearance and the and these and these charges. There are certain things that people do when they're being set up, uh, or when they're being hit with false charges, and there's certain people that certain things they don't do. I know this because I've been one of those people, and I've, I work with a lot of people who have been subject to this, or have helped others who've been you know subject to this by the FBI or other intel or intelligence agencies. Uh he is he is quite clearly guilty. And the, the fact that the FBI is, happens to be saying this is aside from the point. It's, it's almost almost coincidental. Um anyway, so so yeah, she she and Tim Pool, who who you know they they've both been creatures of deal for a long time. Uh Tim Pool's own, I mean, to put it another way uh i've got a recording of Tim Poole, uh being a- approached about me on, on his show it's never aired by his former second in command rocco castorio he hired to help him put together this uh, out- outlet a few years ago uh and he mentions me and uh an associate of mine and Pool says well those guys those guys are compromised aren't they uh no further no further elucidation as to how i'm compromised um so sure. people people have to basically have to pick and choose i mean again and they're happy they're, uh, i'm happy for them to choose tim pool uh if they if they think there's a there's a uh a, a contest as to who's more credible i'm also happy to go into all the details you know and, and to do that properly i need to you know present screenshots and logs and so forth and tim tim pools own words that obviously takes a little bit more time we can't do it here but uh yeah, suffice to say, I've 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 very rarely made accusations of people either working with the FBI or working with Peter Thiel over the past 10 years, because normally we 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 have documents to begin with. If we don't have to make accusations. We don't have to speculate. Uh, if we if we come, to, if someone comes to our attention in this whole medley of all the people that are that are out there grifting or whatever, or apparently grifting, it, mean, it means we're pretty, you know, it means we're pretty confident and we're good at what we do. Uh, Tim Pool and, and Luke Rakowski. uh have are, are among the people who are best known to us as having been most involved in these operations for the last eight or nine years. Both of them have uh, uh, disturbing, uh, disturbing conduct uh, attributed to them. Disturbing associations like Sue Basco, uh, the, the person. Anyway, I, I could go on and on. I'll, I'll just say that uh, this is something I I will be. Me and a few other people will be uh, putting out more. Uh, in regards to, uh, all right, and, uh, and, and again, it, it goes to what I'm saying is that, you know, just someone presents themselves as, Oh, I'm for the transparency movement and I'm, I'm, I'm totally independent and, you know, whatever, this is an old game. And ultimately uh, it comes down to the, the audience to determine, uh, is this guy just saying a lot of stuff and, and is also making a lot of money at the same time and, and doing very well and staying out of the, staying out of prison. Uh, is that enough? Uh, or should we perhaps at least give a, give a hearing, uh, which I appreciate you guys doing, uh, to those who haven't done very well out of this, who have gone to prison, whose family members have been have been targeted uh, and who get hit over and over again by FBI cooperators and are being investigated by the FBI right now, as, as I am, uh, showing those recordings that we put out a month ago. Uh, but yeah, Tim Poole is, uh, you know, he, he's, a, he's a real, he's a man of our time. He's done very well for himself in the past 10 years, uh, 11, 12 years. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, and that, that's, that's fitting. That's fitting for our time. uh, And, and, uh, but yeah, Cassandra Fairbanks, uh, one of the reasons why, why she and other, uh, individuals who have infiltrated this movement, uh, the reason that there's not more known about those activities is because they invariably embarrass, uh, those that they were involved with read another, even, even by virtue of simply having been accepted into the movement. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, there are individuals in our movement, including well-known ones, who uh, are more interested in preserving their own rep- reputations than they are protecting other activists and themselves even in the movement from yeah. uh, infiltration by a network of uh, certain FBI officials, uh, certain uh, British intelligence officials, uh, private academics and so forth who work at MI5 and so forth. Uh, yeah, more, more interested in protecting themselves or, or avoiding these conclusions themselves, uh, than they are in, in the movement that, uh, that I thought was important enough to go to prison for. Um, and it's a sad thing. And, uh, and hopefully maybe in the next couple of years, things will change a bit and we'll have more, Uh, of a resortment, uh, a more of a realignment whereby people can learn more about who really shares their values and who, uh, either for financial purposes or popularity or whatever, uh, or because they've been deployed by some, some entity or some or, or another, uh, who have simply stepped in to take away the, uh, the, um, bandwidth, uh, from, from those who were putting out materials on the establishment uh, in an effective way. Um, sure. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad, glad you asked because it is important. And I mean, trust me, I've, I've, I've never been friends with Tim Pool, so this isn't hard for me. Uh, there have been other situations that have been much harder for me uh, this last two years. Individuals that I trusted and, and were, were friends with that have done much worse and much more than Tim Pool. But yeah, that's the story with that. Uh, Cassandra Fairbanks, Tim Pool, uh, they are, they're, they're two of the reasons why this movement has no longer produces, uh, you know, government materials. It's, it's the reason why, uh, the things that even people like me put out, uh, are seen by 40 people maybe, uh, as opposed to what it was 10 years ago. Uh, they've, they've stepped into the breach and they've taken over and, um, and they've taken over on behalf of the people they work for.
1: That's crazy, man. I mean, it, whenever Cassandra left us, uh it it went like that. Her career like just got propelled to the top, you know. She's she's writing articles about these abusive cops, and then a year later she's actually taking pictures next to them and oh, absolutely. people reaching out to us and telling us that Cassandra was a Fed and that she's you know, she works for the FBI and we're like, whatever, you know, and then then all of a sudden she left like really quickly and and started these other gigs and was like infiltrating the the right wing and just moving all the way up it's uh it's crazy man like it goes this deep and um you know i mean I, I can't say i don't have any evidence that cassandra fairbanks is a fed but you know like we got we had a lot of people tell us that and it just just her career path over the years tends to indicate something is you know certainly strange i don't
2: know if Fed either uh it, it, it's more along the lines of in many of these cases it turns out uh well no well, she, she has she has worked with FBI cooperators that she knows to be FBI cooperators. Right. I mean she was she was dealing with Adrian Lamo on a friendly basis and this is the guy who turned in Chelsea Manning and and who uh acquired my email accounts right after I got arrested. Um so we know that but beyond that oftentimes it's not the FBI themselves that they're primarily working for or directly working for uh intelligence contracting firms, individuals that Hide their affiliations, uh, you know, and, and sort of cast confusion over the matter so that no one really knows what's going on. Uh, but they, who tend to track back to um, a couple of different entities, it's either Russian intelligence, U.S. intelligence, or Peter Thiel, uh, or occasionally things like that. But yeah, but, but I'm not saying she's a Fed, uh, but she's very close to a lot of Feds in a way that you know, including Meeks, the yeah. guy, uh, in a way that is unusual for someone uh, who uh, was so interested in the legal defense uh, groups for people like me uh, 10 years okay. ago, put it that way.
0: Well, I certainly commend you for keeping a level head, Barrett, and, and staying motivated, even though you have seen some of this degradation regarding some of your colleagues in this space, you know, and uh, that, that has to be difficult. And <clears throat> I think the the point you're kind of making there is that we just need some integrity right? Like this, our society. We did, We, we
2: need integrity. We co- What we need is, is, uh, is a sense of consequences. We need something a little bit more along the line of the old Roman Republic, you know, stories whereby, you know, the consul had his own son executed because of his malfeasance. We have the exact opposite of that, and this is the result across the board. I mean, just just a lack of, some of, this, some of this is very modern. Some of it is the result of these generations uh, whereby no one wants to stop and say you know what you're right i made the wrong decision i followed the wrong person uh you know i was wrong you know uh or i i engaged in behavior that was that was very dangerous to the, to the rest of the, of the uh of the uh, activists and uh I, I should come clean about that because it's only only helping the fbi right this point sure. we need more of that and, and we're seeing the exact opposite and that's I mean, n- not everywhere and there's there's some amazing counter examples of that uh, which one comes to to admire and and love more and more uh the more one is disappointed you know one comes to to um to 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 be more grateful uh for those who you know are are counterfactual to this tendency but yeah that's that's what we need we need more integrity we need and we need the understanding that we have to have personal consequences uh at the you know at the very least if we want to get anywhere the alternative is is just more of the same uh
0: Absolutely. All right, free thinkers, this episode is nearing its end. Just a reminder, we've been working extremely hard to bring you some of the most powerful voices in the truth, Liberty movement. We work tirelessly for you to bring these concepts to the masses and to educate and wake up those who continue to sleep. Please don't forget to consider donating or subscribing. If you appreciate the work we do, it's becoming more and more difficult to do this And we can no longer depend on social media advertisers of big tech monetization. Our support network is you. So help us rebuild this organization by going to our website, thefreethoughtproject.com. And at the top, you'll find tabs for our memberships and donations. Also, please review and rate this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you, Freethinkers. So we have hit the hour mark now, and um, we usually uh, reserve this opportunity. Do you have any plugs, or how do you want people to to connect with you, or reach out to you, or what do you want them to read? What just uh, tell people how they could uh, see more of your work, or possibly get a hold of you?
2: Certainly. Uh, so despite my my record for repeated Twitter bans and, and reinstatements unexplained under the previous Twitter administration, I do have a Twitter account left that my late. Uh, uh, legal Defense uh, Group uh, head, Kevin Gallagher, uh, created for Project PM, my old research group. Uh, and so the Twitter account is at ProjPM, P-R-O-J, PM. And I've just begun writing for Byline, which is an outlet here in the UK uh, that that uh, has been unusually focused on uh, on corruption and, and uh, media malfeasance and, and, and intelligence community infiltration of the press. And so I have my, my first article in years for any outlet it uh, just appeared a couple days ago. Uh, I link to it. At my, you can see it on my Twitter account. You can go to Byline. Um, you can go to uh, bylinesupplements.com. supplementscom Uh and uh, yeah, and that, that's basically about it. My book is coming out, you this year. My memoirs uh, in October from Macmillan. Uh, my glorious defeats and Ooh, uh, nice. That's a depress It's it's a it, it's a it's funny, but it's depressing. <laughs> that book. Um, but yeah, that's about it uh, for the most part. You know a lot of us have been laying low and kind of just kind of waiting for the point in which at which uh the culture changes because we we have a lot you know a lot of a lot of documentation and a lot of uh yeah a, a lot of a lot of uh disturbing materials and uh, you know unlike 10 years ago the problem is no longer acquiring it the problem is finding an audience that wants to see it is willing to is willing to see it so
0: great point Well, Barrett, I can't say I've met many journalists who are as dedicated as you. It seems like nearly every aspect of your life has been intertwined with your passion for journalism. And I also can't say I know many people who have been based enough to go to prison for it. So I commend you for that. Uh, You remain as committed as you are controversial. But in my opinion, I, I think the world needs both equally. And we might not align on every single topic, but we don't have to. Right. Absolutely. So, I appreciate I appreciate the work that you do, your fearlessness, your tenacity, and your penchant to dissolve injustice. So, thanks for your time today, Barrett, and keep up the great work. Thank you, thank you for
2: giving me an uh, opportunity to talk to you.